0: This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media. Thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au. For some, mystery and uncertainty surround God's in times plan. Coming up today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie offers Biblical clarity.
1: We don't know when the rapture is. The second coming will happen seven years after the rapture, but the Bible actually predicted the very date that Christ would arrive on the scene. This is one of the most mind-blowing prophecies in all of the Bible. This is
0: Us are very good at predicting the future, and some of us have a hard time recalling the past. We might remember an event from 20 years ago, but we've forgotten what we had for lunch yesterday. But God sees the future with perfect clarity. He's already there. And we can tap into His infinite wisdom by going straight to the Bible. And today, Pastor Greg Laurie is helping us to do that as we study what the Lord has to tell us while we look to the prophet Daniel in the Old Testament.
1: Many of you like puzzles, raise your hand. If you like puzzles, I am not one of you. I admire you. Seems like smart people like puzzles, you know. I'm going to sit down and work on this puzzle. If I'm with my wife and, and we walk through someone's home and there's a puzzle, she will literally sit down and start working on the puzzle. If we walk through a hotel and they have a puzzle in the lobby, she will sit down. I'm going to work on the puzzle. And I just keep walking. I, it's like, why? To me it's like, why? It's a waste of time. Well, look, before us here in Daniel chapter 9 is a prophetic puzzle. And we don't want to keep walking here. We want to see what this puzzle is all about. Because this puzzle, or prophecy, is the most remarkable in the book of Daniel. And that's saying a lot. Because there's some significant prophecies in this book. I would even say this is one of the most mind-blowing prophecies in all of the Bible. Why? Because this prophecy that we're gonna read in a moment gives us the exact date of the arrival of the Messiah. Not for His second coming, though I think I can say with some certainty when the second coming of Christ will be. The second coming of Christ will be at the end of the tribulation period. The Bible's very clear in pointing this out. So once the rapture happens, let's kind of do a quick flyover. Here's the chronology of prophetic events to come from my viewpoint. Number one, the next event I think on the calendar would be the rapture of the church where all Christians are caught up to meet the Lord in the air. On the heels of that is the emergence of the Antichrist. And we'll talk about him a little bit more in a few moments. And that inaugurates the great tribulation period that lasts for seven years. At the end of the seven year tribulation period is what is called the battle or battles of Armageddon. And that is when Christ returns in what we call the second coming. The second coming is at the end of of the tribulation period during the battle of Armageddon. But since the rapture hasn't happened, we don't know when that's gonna be. But you can count it pretty much from seven years after the rapture. But the Bible actually predicted the very date that Christ would arrive on the scene. And you know, the Lord revealed this to Daniel. And you know when the Lord revealed this to Daniel? When he was praying. You know, a lot happens when you pray. Not only does the devil not want you to preach the gospel, trust me, the devil does not want you to pray. Why? Because there's power in prayer. It's been said, and Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. He'll do everything he can to keep you from going to the Lord in prayer. But Daniel was praying. And not only was he praying, he was repenting of his sin. And he said the three hardest words. Do you remember what the three hardest words are to say? No more dessert. No, those are not the words. The words are, <laughs> I have sinned. And what's remarkable about that is we don't really know of any sin that Daniel committed, though we know he was a sinner like the rest of us, but he was willing to own up to his own sin and admit it. And so God worked as a result of this. Did you know that one of the greatest Revivals in America started with a prayer meeting. It happened in downtown New York City. There was a man named Jeremiah Lanthier who decided to hold a prayer meeting. So he handed out flyers to New Yorkers saying, Join me at lunchtime for prayer. Very few people showed up, but something dramatic happened. The stock market crashed the next day, and soon his little prayer meeting was filling up. And within six months, 10,000 people were gathering every day at lunchtime in New York City for prayer. This isn't Sunday morning. This is lunchtime. They're praying. And they started renting theaters and concert halls because they were overflowing churches so they could hold these prayer meetings. And then God started moving. And 50,000 New Yorkers came to Christ from March to May. During that single year, 50,000 people were coming to Christ every week and when it was all said and done, over one million people came to Jesus as a result of that prayer meeting. It's called the Great Prayer Revival and uh, God could do it again. It just starts with someone like you. Someone who will say, I'm going to start a prayer meeting in my neighborhood. I'm going to start a prayer meeting at my office. I'm going to start a prayer meeting over here. And, and he has take that little step of faith. And while Daniel was praying, he was repenting of his sin. I have sinned, he said to the Lord. You know, the problem is some people have never repented of their sin and yet they claim to be Christians. I read recently that 50% of Christians don't have the assurance of salvation. Now I'm going to say something provocative. I believe one of the reasons 50% of Christians in America don't have the assurance of salvation is maybe because 50% of them aren't saved. (laughs) Well, how can you say that, Craig? Well, wait half of Americans generally will say, I'm a Christian. Do you think half of America is Christian? Now, if it is, I sure don't see the evidence of it. And that's the only thing I can evaluate. So my point is this. If you want to be a Christian, you must believe in Jesus, but you must also repent of your sin. On the day of Pentecost, as the Spirit was being poured out, People were deeply moved and they said to the Apostle Peter, what should we do? And Peter said, repent of your sins that you may be converted in times of spiritual refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. Repent. Well we say, okay, uh, what does that even mean? Good question. It's actually a military term. It means an about face. And you know the command, about face? That's what repentance is. It's about faith. I'm going this way. I repent. It's about faith. Now I'm going that way. So instead of running from God, I'm running to God. And I'm doing what God wants me to do. Repent of my sin. That's important. (laughs) You know, people that say, oh, I just love the Lord so much. And I have this deep feeling for Jesus. And okay, does it affect you in the way that you live? Because here's what Jesus would say. Hey, listen. If you love me, keep my commandments. Yes, but I feel emotion. That's cool, keep my commandments. But I feel, yeah, nice, do what I tell you to do. I would be like a husband saying, oh dear, I love you so much to his wife. I just love you, I love you. And then he's having affairs with five other women simultaneously. Uh, That creep doesn't love you, okay? And in the same way, if we're saying, oh, I love the Lord and we're breaking His commandments, we're doing things this Word tells us not to do, do we really love Him? So Daniel repented of his sin. He asked the Lord to forgive him. And as he's waiting on the Lord, God reveals something amazing.
0: It's great to have you join us today for A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Ministries in the U.S. And now Pastor Greg continues his message called Making Sense of the Prophetic Puzzle. Let's listen.
1: You know, God wants to reveal truth to you. He wants to show His will to you. And there's somebody listening to me right now that needs to know the will of God for their life. And here's what the Bible says, if any of you lack wisdom, let them ask from God and he will give it Generously. So it's not like the Lord's holding back saying, no, I don't know if I want to give this to you. He's like, I really want to generously give you my wisdom. So Daniel's praying, he's repenting, and the Lord lays this on him. Look at Daniel 9, verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street will be built again, and the wall, even in troublesome times, And after this 62 weeks, Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself. Stop there. (laughs) I know some of you are scratching your head and you're saying, "Uh, what? (laughs) What does it even mean? Let me read it to you from a modern translation. Listen. It will be 49 years, says the Lord to Daniel, plus 434 years from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until the Messiah comes. Jerusalem streets and walls will be rebuilt despite perilous times. After this period of 483 years, the anointed one, or the Messiah, will be killed, but not for himself. His kingdom is still unrealized. So what does this mean? Let's sort of take it apart and put it back together. God is telling Daniel that the city and walls of Jerusalem will be rebuilt because they're in ruin at this time. When did that happen? under Nehemiah. Remember we studied that book together in a series we called The Rebuilt Life. So Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. He was a Jewish man. A cupbearer means that you had access to the king pretty much 24-7. You were always in close proximity to the most powerful men on earth. So Nehemiah heard about the plight of his fellow Jews. How the city was lying in ruins and And he wanted to do something about it. He wasn't a construction guy. He didn't wear a hard hat. He wasn't an architect. He was a cupbearer, a counselor, an advisor. But he thought, I'm in a position of influence and I want to leverage my influence for God's glory. And, And so apparently Nehemiah was a very cheerful guy because one day the king said, hey Nehemiah, why do you look so sad? He was probably one of those guys that is smiling all the time. And I love that when Christians are that way. Listen, Christians should be cheerful people. A Christian should sort of light up a room when they walk in. So don't be a Debbie Downer or a Bobby Buzzkill. <laughs> be cheerful. The Bible says this, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit saps a person's strength. You know, some people are always smiling. The person that comes to mind is Pastor Ricky Ryan. You know Ricky, you've all met him. He's our campus pastor over at Harvest Kumalani in Maui. In fact, if Maui became a person, it would be Ricky Ryan. He always wears Hawaiian shirts. I've traveled with him around the world. I've gone to cold climates. You know, I'm wearing a sweater, a jacket. Ricky's still wearing a Hawaiian shirt. And flip-flops, it's like Ricky, it's freezing. He just sort of is the personification of aloha and he's always smiling, always has an encouraging word. I've said to him, Ricky, you are the most Christian Christian I think I've ever met. Uh, you're you're you know just a great representative of Christ. So when Ricky isn't smiling, it's weird. And I remember a moment when Ricky was not smiling and I was responsible for it. Uh, Ricky's a very good surfer. He, in fact, when he was a young man, he competed. Uh, and so Ricky um, got a brand new board and he was putting it on top of his car, and he said, Greg, would you tie that down for me? I said, sure. So I did my best Greg version of tying a surfboard down, and so he's driving ahead of me, and I'm behind him, and and as he takes off, I saw the board I tied down come off the car and go airborne. It was a light board, a small board, and it's flipping in the air, flipping, 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 and then it hits the ground, boom, hits the ground, boom, hits the ground, boom, 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 boom thud, filled with things. And so we pull over, Ricky gets out of his car, he looks at his surfboard and looks at me. He's not smiling. <laughs> a rare moment in time and Ricky was like, uh, what happened, sorry man, I'll buy you a new board. Okay, this is how much it costs. I had to buy him the new board. And I was responsible, but my point is, Nehemiah was a happy, cheerful guy. But at this moment in time, he wasn't smiling. So the king says, what's, what's the problem, Nehemiah? He goes, I'm sad. I'm sad for my people. Their, their city is lying in ruins. And Artaxerxes says, well, what do you want to do? Well, king, I would love to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls again. King says, I think that's a good idea. i hate to have you gone. But I'll tell you what I'll do, because I like you so much. I'm gonna send an armed escort, and I'm gonna underwrite The whole project. So the prophetic clock was set into motion. From the moment that King Artaxerxes gives the command to restore and rebuild to Jerusalem until the coming of the Messiah is this many days, the clock was now ticking. The moment that wall started to be rebuilt. So Nehemiah 2.1 says, it came to pass in the month of Nisan in contrast to the month of Toyota. It's a different month. (laughs) The month of Nisan. And the 20th year of King Artaxerxes. So we know it's the 20th year of the reign of Artaxerxes. So let's do the math. Artaxerxes began his reign as king in 465 B.C. So the 20th year of his reign would have been 445 B.C. Remember, we count backwards in B.C. years. Now the first day of Nisan is March 14th, according to our calendar, and the 69 weeks of Daniel Began with March 14th, 445 BC, when the commandment of Artaxerxes was given to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Calculated out, and it comes out to 173,880 days. What happened? From the moment that king gave the decree to rebuild the city. 173,880 days later, Jesus of Nazareth rode into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey fulfilling Bible prophecy to a T. That is amazing to me. And by the way, when Jesus rode into the city, He was playing His hand, if you will. For a large part of His ministry, the Lord sort of flew under the radar. And by that I mean He would heal someone and He would say, Don't tell anybody because my hour has not yet come, right? Now his hour has come. He knows exactly what he is doing when he mounts a donkey and rides in because the Bible says that the Messiah would come riding a donkey. So he was saying to everyone, you got it right folks. Make no mistake about it. I am your Messiah. So this is a total fulfillment of Scripture. So the people are having a party, they're waving palm branches, they're crying out, Hosanna to the Son of David. And you know what Jesus is doing? He's weeping. It's like someone crying at their own birthday party. <laughs> I think when you get older, maybe you do that. <laughs> I don't even like to hear of birthdays anymore. You know, when you're a kid, my birthday's on Sunday. And then you get older, it's like, oh, my birthday's on Sunday. Oh, <laughs> another year, oh. So you're almost crying at your own party. Here's Jesus, the biggest party of the year, and he's weeping. Why is he weeping? Because he knows he's going to be cut off. That's what Daniel said. Messiah will arrive and he will be cut off. Jesus knew he was gonna die for the sins of the people. Look at verse 26 of Daniel 9. After the 62 weeks, Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself. Jesus was coming primarily to die on the cross for the sins of the world. He knew that. And He knew these very people that were crying, Hosanna today, and only ours would be crying, Crucify Him and let His blood be on us and on our children later. At 33, most people are saying, It is beginning. At 33, Jesus Christ said, It is finished.
0: Pastor Greg Laurie with important perspective on God's plan today. And there's more insight to come as he continues his message here on A New Beginning. Next time, Pastor Greg continues his End of Days series. He'll be bringing us more insight from the ninth chapter of Daniel. Hope you can join us tomorrow. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called Making Sense of the Prophetic Puzzle. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast, along with more inspiring Christian content. Just search your app store for Vision Christian Media. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au